We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. So welcome, everybody. Welcome, Irish fans, to yet another edition of our Irish Breakdown podcast. And uh, we're going live with this one because we figured, you know what? Why the heck not? We want to bring the people. Well, it was a little uh, late for us to record it, then get it up, and then go. So we're like, hey, let's go live. And and hopefully we can. this live will go a little bit smoother than the one that I tried to do earlier where I had yet to figure <laughs> out how to get sound from Logan Diggs's, uh announcement. But, uh, yeah, so we're ready to go. We're ready to break down Notre Dame's 2021 offensive recruiting class, which is a good one. It is yeah. a strong class. No, no question. And, uh, I, you know, I'm I'm excited about this offensive class. I mean, you said it uh, in your breakdown online that the reason Notre Dame has a top 10 class is because of the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's super exciting about this class. And, and this is what I'm super excited to talk about. Look, the bottom line is, Brian, you and I are both offensive coaches and we we can appreciate and we can get excited about defense. But come on, man. It's the offensive side of the ball. That's what we want to talk about. So that is what this uh, this podcast is going to be about. Uh, first, your overall impressions of this offensive class um, from a uh, this is what they needed standpoint to this is what they ended up with standpoint. Your overall thoughts on this class, Brian. I think landing Logan Diggs was the final straw because that was going to be the one position if they didn't get him that I think Notre Dame would have been – Short on numbers. I think with him in the class, they've met their numbers needs everywhere. They got the quarterback they needed. They signed two, actually. Uh, Got two quarterbacks, got two running backs, got three receivers, got two tight ends, got five offensive linemen. So first and foremost, from a number standpoint, they were good. 
I mean, even at a couple positions, maybe one guy beyond where they really had a need at the position. And then I think you look at what's next. So you meet your needs, number one. Okay, did you land impact players? Tyler Buckner, impact player. Right. Lorenzo Styles, impact player. Deion Colsey has the upside of an impact player. So he can be an impact player. I think Kane Barong has the upside of an impact player. And then along the offensive line, you got two top 100 recruits. So yeah. you literally landed impact players. And I'm I'm someone who doesn't subscribe to the notion that you need a five-star running back to, to be a, a great offense. I think Notre Dame got, to me, impact players at running back. Maybe not the the high-level recruit version of an impact player, but guys that, as football players, are impact players. And so sure. when you can kind of push those that combination of the buttons where you landed, you got your needs met from a number standpoint, you landed depth, you landed high-end talent, I think those are the things that you look at and say, that's the makings of an, of an outstanding class. And even though there's no guys at the skill positions that I think are ready to step on the field and be a – Michael Floyd type of freshman or a Michael Mayer type of freshman, the upside is there. And I think the other part is none of those guys are needed to play as freshmen. So yeah. if they play as freshmen, great. You know, there's a couple guys that I think should get on the field as freshmen. I think Deion Colsey should play, Tyler, Lorenzo Styles should play, Tyler Buckner should play, but they don't have to play for Notre Dame to be successful next season. So I think that's another part of it too. But but they really hit on the right notes. And it was, a, it was an interesting cycle because a lot of these guys, they got way early. If you really think about it, a lot of these guys committed before Tommy Reese even took over as the offensive coordinator. That's a good point. And, and so they had, but they, so that allowed them to kind of focus on the guys they needed to add, um, hold on to the guys they needed to hold on to, lost one of them, got them back, <laughs> which right. they also did on defense. Um, and they were able to, to really add to it. And, you know, there's a couple guys that are, you know, that, that could, our project type of guys that maybe don't pan out, but if they do, it makes this class better. And we'll kind of dive into that as we get into this specific position by position aspect of this. Yeah. I want to put out there since we are doing this live, if anybody has any specific offensive recruiting questions, you can throw them over into the YouTube chat and uh, we'll try to answer them if they go along with kind of where we're at and what we're talking about. And it goes with the flow of the show, but we want to, Definitely involve those that are watching, uh, and we appreciate you guys for uh, for hanging out. I, I threw a couple of uh, comments up there from uh, Brandon and Jack, and we appreciate you guys uh, logging in to take a look as well. Uh, but let, let's jump into this class, Brian. I really want to talk about the the quarterback position up front. I mean, gosh, who doesn't? Um, we've <sighs> this particular quarterback has been in the class for quite some time. Uh, you know, it's always funny when you follow recruiting. And especially the, from the quarterback standpoint, those are usually the first couple guys to get into a class. And it just feels like, you know, Tyler Buckner has been connected to Notre Dame for so long. And now he's just getting on campus for the first time as a Notre Dame player. So um, a lot of anticipation for him. Um, I, I want to get your, your thoughts on a grade for the quarterback position, you know, how they were able to do bringing him into the fold and uh, about Tyler Buckner as a player for Notre Dame. Well, I, I think that this is an A grade. I mean, to me, this is a no-brainer A grade. Uh, you really only needed one quarterback in the class. They signed a second, Ron Paulus the second, or is it Ron Paulus the third? I think he's the um, third. And uh, you know, so that gives you a, a numbers need because you know you have, you know, you have some numbers situations. I don't think Jack Cohn was committed at that point in time to, to as a grad transfer when they when they signed him. So uh, you met your needs numbers, but but really, it's about 
can you get difference makers on campus? And the reality is, is they got a difference maker on campus. Tyler Buckner yeah. is a difference maker. Um, I think Tyler Buckner fits Notre Dame well. I think he's a a, a real respectful young man. I mean, even talking, the only time I really talked to him was soon after he committed. He was, I think, a sophomore at the time. Real respectful, happy-go-lucky, but a grinder. You know, we interviewed Malik Zaire uh, at Irish Breakdown recently, and he he broke he broke Tyler's game down. Well, Malik worked Tyler out at the Elite Eleven. Malik was one of the counselors, right. one of the coaches there, so he got to see Tyler's work ethic up close. And everybody you talk to that knows the kid says he's going to work. I mean, he is going to put in the work, and you need that. Uh, and he's a kid that doesn't seem to be, I mean, I love Jimmy Clausen as a quarterback, but Tyler Buckner's not showing up in a stretch limo Hummer to announce his commitment to Notre Dame. There's a little, little bit more humility to him right, than maybe yes. uh, some of the other greats that Notre Dame has had. Uh, so I think he fits in that regards, but being able to keep him in the class, being able to uh, allow him to sort of be the base of this class is important. Now, the next step is going to be developing. That's a different conversation for a different day. But Tyler Buckner is a modern-day quarterback. He can make plays from the pocket. He can make plays when things break down. He can throw off platform. He can make plays on the move as with his arm. He can make plays on the move with his legs. He really has everything you want in a quarterback. Now it's can you get can you build around him? Can you commit to him? in a way that maybe you weren't able to develop and, and commit to some of the other quarterbacks. And this is really going to be the first quarterback. I mean, Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner, are the first group of quarterbacks, the highly ranked quarterbacks that will be Tommy Reese only recruits. You know, I, I think when Tommy Reese took over Brandon Wimbush, there were already some bad habits that were established by the previous coach that he couldn't get out of them. And, and same thing with, you know, with, with, Ian Book, you know, it, he he had a degree where he impacted it, but he also didn't have him for a year or two. So I think this will be a guy that you can say, look, we're going to find out what Tommy Reese is made of. He's got yeah. two really good quarterbacks, in my opinion, in back-to-back classes, Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner. Between the two of them, you need to be able to develop one of them into an impact player. And this is going to – and this is, and then the thing is, too, they're different types of players. Sure. You know, Tyler Buckner is more of a dual-threat guy. Drew Pine's more of a drop-back-and-throw-it guy. But between the two of them and back-to-back years – if you can't develop a championship caliber quarterback with these two guys, you know, I I, I don't really know what to tell you at that point. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's fair. That, that's absolutely fair. And, uh, it, you know, it's going to be interesting because I, I really like what Tyler Buckner brings to the table. I'm a little worried. And of course, his junior year, his numbers were, I mean, they were video game numbers, basically. Uh, I was I couldn't be impressed with what he was able to do. Now, the competition wasn't as good. And so he, he heard that and then transferred schools uh, out in California to up the level of his play for his senior year, which I totally uh, respect that he was able to do that for his senior year. And then, of course, COVID hit, his season got canceled. So he hasn't taken taken a meaningful snap since the fall of 2019. Do you think that is going to affect him in a negative way, you know, as he shows up here at Notre Dame? Only if the expectation was to play him day one as your starting quarterback. I mean, if there yeah. was the expectation for that, then yeah, that would hurt him. Sure. I don't think that ever should be the expectation for a freshman quarterback unless you're talking about a generational guy like a Trevor Lawrence. And even then, Trevor Lawrence didn't start the first three or four games of his college career. So, uh, you know, I think that I think that's where I felt Jack, landing Jack Cohn was huge for sure. Notre Dame because – now you don't have to play Tyler as your starter, or you don't you don't have to play Drew Pine as your starter. You can let those guys battle, 
And then if Tyler emerges as good as we think he can be, now it's finding a home for him. And, and we'll dive into more of how to play him as we get closer to the spring. But I don't think that it, it, it's going to hurt him in the current circumstance because they don't need him to play. If he's not ready next year, then he's not ready. You let him learn. You let him cook in the oven for a little bit. And then sure. when his time comes, he's ready to play. Now, that might hurt him if he's starting in 2022, but it's not going to take him a whole lot of time to get caught up speed as long as he's able to face a lot of those live reps in practice. And then any chance you get next year to get him on the field, you take advantage of. And, you know, I think that'll be something to help him develop. But the physical tools for there, the character's there, the intelligence is there, the work ethic is there. Now it's just about putting it all together, you know, sure. and, uh, and and putting a, a supporting cast around him, uh, which I think they will, and, and letting his talent take over. Yeah, no question. And we, we've got a quick question from one of our viewers. You want to you take a look at it real quick? Go for it. Let's roll. All right. So Brandon asked, do you think Reese and Kelly will let Buckner keep his natural throwing motion as seen in his highlights? Or try to alter it as seen at the Elite Eleven. Now the altered the alter arm motion, from what I understand, was not something that Notre Dame dictated. That's something that Tyler and his quarterback coach felt he needed to do to increase his all around accuracy as a quarterback. So um, it didn't look good at the Elite Eleven. It looked different. Now what we don't know, however, since it's been a while since we've seen him, is is he more comfortable with that now? The, right. the end of the day, I don't like tinkering with the guy's throwing motion unless it's something that keeps him from being effective. Tyler felt that there was a part of his throwing motion that kept him from being as effective and accurate on short to intermediate throws. So if he feels that this is something that he has to do to become a more consistent quarterback, short, mediate, intermediate, and deep, then do what you got to do. But it's got to be something he's comfortable with. What hurt Phil Dracovic was they tried to change him to something that wasn't comfortable for him. There was no need for Phil Dracovic to change his motion this is a situation where Tyler and his quarterback coach felt like there was a need. Now okay. we'll find out this spring if it's going to work for him, but I, I don't think it's Notre Dame that was dictating that. I think if he's going out there and he's trying to do the kind of lower three quarter kind of thing we saw from him at the elite 11 and it's not working, then they will try to tink tinker with it. But if he shows up and he's doing that stuff and it looks weird, but if it's working, then roll with it. Cause that's the biggest thing. You can't have a quarterback right. thinking about his throwing motion. It's just gotta be there. The only thing I ever mess with with a quarterback is his feet and his hips, because, you know, that's kind of like your steering system. You know, right. if you're thinking of a rocket, right? Like it's, you know, this is kind of the bomb, right? But you know, you need your guidance systems and that's what the feet and the hips are. That's really all I care about. But as long as it's something he can do and he can repeat it, then I think that that is that that's something I can roll with. So we'll, we'll find out in the spring if it's if he's come along with it and developed it and enhanced it. And I think that's one area where not playing this fall, small area might have helped him because now it can just be focused on a million reps, a million reps, a million reps of just focusing on getting those mechanics right. So even though he lost something in game experience, he can gain it by working with the quarterbacks coach as far as enhancing that throwing motion without thinking having to think about we got to go out and beat so-and-so on Friday night. Nope, makes a lot of sense. Anything else you want to add about uh, Tyler Buckner before we move on to the next position group, sir? No, I just I just think that this that you need a, you need a big-time quarterback to, to be successful, whether that's taking a three-star like Mac Jones and he develops into that or it's landing a big-time guy like Tyler Buckner. The fact is you need a talented quarterback, and he is a talented quarterback. And, and you can't have an elite offensive class without Tyler, without a, a, a an elite quarterback, and I believe Tyler Buckner has elite talent. He was a five-star for me initially. I dropped okay. him down a little bit to a four-and-a-half-star, which for me is a top-50 player, simply because we didn't see him as a senior. Yeah. And I yeah. think that experience aspect of it 
knocked his grade down just outside of that. But there's no doubting that he has five star tools. And if you don't think, if you don't believe me, go listen to the interview I did with Malik Zaire. He kept talking about how this is the kind of guy, if you develop him right, that can lead you to a national championship. He believes that. And he saw him on film and he saw him in person. So let's move over to the, uh, or I guess back over. I'm not sure. Depends on the, the formation. Uh, let's go. Let's start talking about the running back uh, position here, Brian. Huge get today, uh, grabbing Logan Diggs, and there was some there was some question marks as to whether he was actually going to come to Notre Dame. Uh, but he ended up putting on that Notre Dame hat today, which was great news uh, for the Irish two man class, Audric Estime and Logan Diggs. Give me your overall thoughts about the uh, the running back group as a whole. Your grade. I love it. I gave it a B plus simply because I don't give out many A's. I mean, I just, I don't, I think that has got to be reserved for that elite top five in the country kind of haul. Having said that, what this class is, I gave it a B plus. What it is, is a class that you can absolutely go toe to toe with anybody with, especially when you look at it, which is, I think the best way to look at recruiting is in, in pairs. If okay. you look at comparing this two guys with Chris Tyree last year, you have a great compliment. And here's what I like about the two guys they got this year. Obviously, Audric Estime was the guy that signed and announced his signature in December. And yeah, he was a guy that kind of came out of nowhere. He was a, a good player as a junior, but blew up as a senior. Yep. And yep. you know, six one. He's listed as six one. I don't know if he's quite that tall, but it doesn't matter. He's 215 pounds. He can be a hammer, but he's got really nice feet, very nimble feet. I brought up Jerome Bettis as a comparison simply from a footwork standpoint. I'm not saying he's Jerome Bettis, but that bigger body that's just really light on his feet. You know, Jerome was huge, but he always was really light on his feet. I see that from Audric. Uh, he's a, a guy that is a he's a north south runner, but at the same time, he understands setting up blocks. He understands making moves at the last second. You know, pushing your getting on your run track, letting your block set up, and then making moves. He's a very disciplined runner very efficient runner. There's like no wasted motion motion with this kid, which means if he's a four, six, five, right. He plays like a four, six, five where you can get four five guys that play like four, six, fives because there's so much movement going on, false stepping and all those sure. kind of things. He is a North South do your business kind of guy. He'll hammer you if you're in the hole, but he's also not a guy that's just going to look for contact, meaning he's going to maximize yards. If he's got to make you miss, he's going to make you miss. If he's got to bounce it, he's going to bounce it. Uh, and so there's a lot to like there. Uh, he doesn't do much in the pass game, but he's got the size to be a really good pass blocker. And you you watch him on a few screen plays. I mean, he catches the ball clean. He can make people miss. You know, he's a big hammer, uh, but he's not a guy that's going to blow you away with pass catching skills. So switch over to Logan Diggs, who can be that guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, he is a very good pass catcher. Not only does damage in high school as a pass catcher, I've seen him at camps where he's running routes like a receiver. I mean, he's just he's he's a really talented guy. And and I mean, you could use this comparison for both of them, but imagine if Tony Jones was faster. That's what these two guys are. Yeah. Especially Logan Diggs, because Audric reminds me of Tony Jones as a runner. What makes the comparison even more accurate for Logan Diggs is Logan is so much more effective as a pass catcher, where Tony was a really good pass catcher. So I think that brought something to the to the table as well, in that you have a guy that can can hammer you between the tackles. And you walk, you pop in Logan Diggs highlight tape, and there's plays where he's dipping and ripping through contact. And he right. plays good competition down in Louisiana. He's playing St. Augustine, John Curtis, a lot of those programs. 
and he so which means he's playing he's playing against dudes that are going to school for free the next four years, right? Right. right. Uh, so he's running over guys, but he's also he's he's nimble. I mean, there's several plays where he's like leaping over people. He's really good outside. He runs the outside zone as good as any back that that, that Notre Dame has recruited at the high school level. Uh, he can make plays in the pass game as a route runner out of the backfield. He, he's a pass blocker. He returns punts for his high school team. He took a couple back, you know, long way this year. So they they're both big backs, and so they both complement Chris Tyree really well. But they also complement each other very well because you can do things with Audric as the runner and Logan out of the backfield, where you could use them together. Yep. I wouldn't say I'd use them as often as I would maybe use Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree, but you can do it. But it can be done, and, yeah. And when you look at it with these two, with Tyree, you've got two hammers, and then you've got Chris Tyree coming in as the big play guy. You know, that's that's a lethal combination. So I just I really like these guys. They're they're not elite athletes, but they're just really good running backs. I, I will and say I think there's something for that. I, I will say watching a little bit of uh, Logan Diggs's highlights today. Um, now, obviously, I broke his film down before, but watching him today, I was just reminded of the fact that. He does kind of look for contact and he's not mm-hmm. afraid to run somebody over. Like and it and not and I'm not talking between the tackles. Like I'm talking when he's outside and there's the option of stepping out of bounds or running a dude over and staying in bounds. He's gonna run a dude over. And he he runs with an attitude. And I really, really like watching that, frankly. Oh, there's no question. I mean, you, 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 I love running backs that are that way. You know what I mean? Like if you get a DB in space, he's going to say, <laughs> and I just kind of get this vision of him, like the rock. Remember back during the attitude era where he's just like, kind of got that, you know, just that's Logan Diggs in space. Right. Uh, but at the same time, he doesn't have to be that way. Fitz, you know, he's a guy that also can do a lot of different things where he is elusive. He can make you miss. He can catch the ball. Uh, there's just a lot of different things that he that he brings to the table uh, as a running back. And, you know, you, I love those dual threat guys. And, and honestly, Vince, you have to have at least one or two guys like that in today's game. Mm-hmm. You have to have guys. And if you have a guy that can be a hammer and also catch balls out of the backfield, look, he's a Louisiana kid. So let's just go there. He's not he's a different kind of athlete than the Clyde Edwards Hilaire kid from LSU. But it's a similar type of impact he brings at a game. He can run. He can line up in the slot. He can run routes out of the backfield. He can run the ball between the tackles. He can run the ball outside. Is he as explosive as Clyde Edwards-Alaire was back then? No, I don't think he's quite as explosive. But he's also bigger. So this was a big pickup, and and, and I know he's a three-star recruit. I had him as a four-star recruit. This would have been a loss. You know, there was no spinning it. That would have been a big loss. And so yeah. uh, kudos to Terry Joseph for getting him into the class and kudos to Tommy Reese and, and Lance Taylor for being able to convince them to stay in the class because right. getting those two together is huge. And you went from two years ago where we're thinking, we're looking at the backfield and we're saying, yeah, I don't know, to now yeah. you're looking at it and you're like, Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, Audric Estime, Logan Diggs, Sebo Flemister, and then now you're you're recruiting some dudes in the 2022 class and, and you're feeling really good about it. And that's the other area where it helps, Vince, is now you can narrow your 2022 focus on the best of the best in that class because you have these two kids. It, it's funny that you should mention Sebo Flemister because we have a question about good old Sebo. And I realize this is a recruiting podcast, but we're talking about you know where these guys fit as they move mm-hmm. in and onto the roster. Mm-hmm. And uh, David writes, uh, what about Sebo? When he gets out there, he runs hard, shows some speed, and does not go down easy. Why can't he get more clock? 
I think it's just because of how talented the other guys are. Yep. I mean, that that's where you should be. When you're a big-time program, that's where you should be, where there are there are really good football players on the sideline that can't get on the field because the guys on the field are just too good. That necessar- wasn't necessarily the case at receiver. At running back, it was the case, you know, where who are you going to take snaps away from? You're going to take it away from Kyron. You're going to take it away from Chris Tyree. Right, right. I think Tebow is a kid that, that you know, you try to convince him he's not a big-time player and he's going to laugh at you and then go out there and try to prove you wrong. And But I think he's more of a complimentary player. I think the other thing about Sebo is I don't know how long he can sustain that style of play over the course of a full game. He runs way harder than his body type <laughs> would suggest. That's fair. Not a really big guy. Uh, that's the nice thing about these two kids that Notre Dame just signed. However, these are 200 plus pound kids the minute they step foot on campus. Right. And they haven't even spent time in Chris, you know, in, in the, the Notre Dame strength and conditioning program, which is only going to add to it. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And uh, we got one more comment about the running backs before we move on to uh, the wide receivers uh, from Mike. He wants to know, is this the best stable of running backs at Notre, ba- Notre Dame in and I'm guessing he wants to know how long it's been since yeah, they've had this group. Since they've gotten a one-two punch like this, I think you got to go back to the 2015 class with Josh Adams and Dexter Williams. I mean, you know, look, let's be honest. Running back recruiting pre-Autry Denson was pretty good. You got this duo in 2013. You got the Greg Bryant, Torian Folson class in 2013. Uh, you know, you signed a two-man class back in what was it, 2000? Tony Alford. You had the uh, Armando Allen, Robert Hughes class. You had the Sierra Wood, Theo Riddick class, which Tony Alford also signed. And then for four years under a certain position coach, the recruiting at the position went down. Uh, now it's going back up. And that's why it was so important to get to get Logan Diggs because you got another strong two-man class that that you haven't had. I mean, with, I love Sebo and Jameer Smith were good players, but this this duo is more dynamic than that duo. So if this if this duo can be as good as Josh Adams and, and Dexter Williams were, then that's a, certainly a plus for Notre Dame. And, and then, like I said, you throw Chris Tyree in the mix – it's uh, it's big for Notre Dame. They've certainly replenished the depth chart of running back the last two years. Well, and, and from a from a a stable of on the roster, like the five running backs that are going to be in that mm-hmm. room, I think top to bottom, this is the best stable of running backs that they've had in, in quite some time as well. It's certainly in that conversation. You yeah. know, I mean, I th- I think when you when you look at the fact that some of the players will be a little older, I, I think had had Torian Folston not got hurt that first game of the year in 2015, that that was a pretty good backfield you had Torian Folson CJ Procise Josh Adams and Dexter Williams um you know the next 2017 you had Dexter and and uh and Tony Jones and Josh Josh Adams you had CJ Holmes and and Deion McIntosh so you look at like that five-man group for example you know at the top that group I think could hang with the current group but what's make going to make this group different is because of the two guys you just brought in the three four five is better than those other groups were at three four five and that's important because what we don't know, Vince, we don't know what the co- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. COVID restrictions are going to be next year. Are they going to loosen the whole, if you test positive, you're out for two weeks? Is that going to be the same? Because if that continues then it's even more reason why you need numbers in the backfield. Plus, this sure. is a position that takes punishment. You know, what if a guy goes down? They were fortunate that they didn't really have any major injuries at running back this year, but you can't count on that next year. I mean, right. let's, let's go back and look at 2015. You lost Torian Folson in the opener. Then CJ gets hurt against uh, against Pitt, and you're down to your two freshmen, you know, Josh yep. Adams and, and, and Dexter Williams. So uh, you, you needed the depth, and, and landing Logan Diggs makes this arguably as about as deep one to five as Notre Dame has been in a very, yep. very long time. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, let's talk wide receivers uh, in this year's class. A, a pretty pretty decent class uh, hauled in by Notre Dame, I would say. And I'm being, obviously being a bit sarcastic. Uh, a three-man class at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure necessarily what you were looking for as far as the numbers at wide receiver. But after... The class that they brought in last year, you combine it with this class, and I'm fairly impressed. But I want to get your thoughts uh, on this class as a whole and what and how you graded them out. I gave them an A minus. I think okay. that it's an A minus simply because, again, I don't give A's out very often. I gave out one. I love this class. I think you can make a case that this 20, 2021 Notre Dame class is as good as Brian Kelly has had, top to bottom. Wow. Uh, you know, maybe there aren't as many five stars as you had in the 2013 class with. Jalen Smith and and Max Redfield and Greg Bryan and Eddie Vanderdose. Maybe the 2011 class had Aaron Lynch and Stefan to it, but just one through 27, this is as good as one through 25, you know, because one of those guys is a kicker. Uh, you're as good as you've ever, as you've had. And, and I think that's important. You know, when you're talking about guys in the 20s are guys, and I could see if it all, if the lights all turn on, this guy could be an impact player for Notre Dame. That's the kind of depth you need. There's a lot of high upside guys. And I think receiver is a perfect example of that. Deion Colsey to me is not a five-star player right now. He's a borderline top hundred kind of guy, but the tools are there. And here's some things you have to understand about Deion Colsey. For example, he's a year younger than most people in his grade. So he's still, he's basically a junior age-wise, which means his body still has a little bit left in it. I think being in a private school where he was just so much bigger and more athletic than everybody he played against, kind of, you don't really have to learn how to dig deep when you play against competition. You're that much better than. You don't really learn that till you get pushed and challenged and kind of punched in the mouth by a cornerback that's unlike anyone you've ever gone against. And then what do you do? Well, everything I've heard about Deion Colsey is he's going to respond well to that, but you you don't know what you don't know till you till you realize that you don't know it, you know, till it's obvious in front of your face. And so I think he's a guy that has, you know, he he needs time to become that kind of player. He's more Miles Boykin than he is Michael Floyd. 
but they both became really good football players when it's all said and done. So I look at Deion Colsey and he's kind of the guy that, uh, that, that started the class. I believe he was the first commit him and Lorenzo styles are like a few hours apart. Uh, <laughs> you know, he left the class. They were able to convince him to come back in, but he was a guy that committed early. I mean, he committed the, the weekend that they beat USC back in 2019, him and Lorenzo styles both committed that weekend. So he'd been in the class for a while, very talented, big receiver can stretch the field. He's really advanced as a route runner. Like if you watch him, Vince, he's not really advanced to the level where like he understands leverage and, and aiming points and stemming a guy up properly to manipulate right. him. But as far as like the top end technique, he's really sound. Uh, he understands, you know, he's got really loose hips, really good feet. He plays corner in high school. Right. Uh, and, and Brian Smith, who, who was one of a, you know, con recruiting contributors at Irish breakdown, he went and saw him in, in live and he's like, he was like, this kid could play DB at the division one level, maybe not at like a Notre Dame level, but he could right. play. And you don't do that if you don't have hips, you know? Right. And so, uh, he's really fluid athlete that to me is just scratching the surface of what he can be. And I think at a place like Notre Dame and the strength program he's going to get facing the competition he's going to face, I think his game's going to take off. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a very talented player. And then you look at Lorenzo styles, completely different type of athlete. I mean, Deion Coles, he's six, four, 200 pounds. You know, he's a boundary guy, go up and get it. You know, he, who can do some things after the catch. Then you have Lorenzo styles, six foot, 175 dynamic, explosive. Lorenzo's an interesting kid, Vince, because he I liked him as a junior. I thought he was like a top 150 kind of guy as a junior. Liked him, but I thought there was another gear there that we hadn't seen yet. We saw it as a senior. I mean, he just had that extra gear, and he actually came from an offense that kind of tamped down his receiver ability. It's a running offense. They didn't really have a quarterback that could – I think their quarterback's going to Northwestern, but I think he's going to Northwestern to play like linebacker. You know what I mean? Like he was just an athlete. So you didn't get a chance to see that whole arsenal. So the coach, like a smart coach in Pickerington Central, is a great program. He'd use him in the backfield. He'd run him on reverses. There was a play I'm watching him on, on national TV this year where Lorenzo, keep in mind, he's 175 pounds. He gets a ball off tackle, and he's got a DB in the hole, and he just runs him over. He just, boom, runs him over. There's a toughness to this kid. You watch him play cornerback, and he's a bully. I mean, he's just throwing guys to the ground. Again, he's 175 pounds. He's right. not a big kid. So I love that toughness. He certainly has the genes. His dad played at Ohio State. Um, but uh, as a senior also, we saw a burst from him as a returner and on the few times he was able to, to press the ball vertically. Uh, he's got a gear to him. So those two complement each other very well. And then you have Jaden Thomas, who uh, is not as big as Dion. He's not as explosive as, as either one of them, but he's just a really good football player. Uh, good feet. He's a good athlete. I think he's going to try and play baseball at Notre Dame. He's a very good baseball player. And, you know, 6'1", 6'2", about 200 pounds. He's listed at 185 by Notre Dame. That's He's much bigger than that now. Um, but, you know, just solid player, good route runner, tough kid, knows how to make plays after the catch. He's uh, got really good down-the-field ball skills, good body control, which you'd expect from a guy that's a really good Division One caliber outfielder. You'd think he'd be pretty good at tracking the deep ball, uh, which he is. And he's just a nice complimentary player. You can put him in the slot. You can put him out. You know, in the you can put him in the slot if you want to use the slot like you did Chase Claypool in 2017, a bigger guy to work the middle of the field, do some blocking. Uh, you can put him in the in the slot uh, or on the outside where he can use his size to stretch the field. So. There's a lot of different things you can do with Jaden, and he complements those other two very well. 
So this is a very strong class. The reason I gave it an A minus, and even it was it was more closer to a B plus than it was an A, is just because there is no surefire day one step on the field difference maker, sure. elite player. And I think you you need that to to be an A. And Tyler Buckner is that kind of talent. Uh, none of these guys are that yet. They're all going to need a little bit of work. Uh, but it's a very good group. And then when you combine it with last year's group of Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts, and Jay Brunel, very strong two-year class for Notre Dame. We got a couple of questions about the wide receivers. Uh, I'm going to throw at you here real quick, Brian. Uh, some good ones. I think I know where you're going to go with this one, but I'm going to show it to you anyway. Uh, Zona Irish asks, what is the problem with receiving recruiting or is it the coaching? I don't think there's any problem with receiver recruiting. I mean, look, in the last five years, Notre Dame has had Will Fuller, uh, Equinemie St. Brown, Miles Boykin, and Chase Claypool all go to the NFL as draft picks, right? Kevin Stefferson would have been had he made better decisions off the field. Uh, you're looking at a group now where Javon McKinley stepped up and had a good career. So you've had plenty of guys. Chris Brown played a key role in, in, uh, in Notre Dame being successful. So I think that the problem has been development. I think it's back to what we've discussed in the past, and I don't want to spend too much time on it because we can have this. We're going to have a mailbag yeah. podcast on Friday. Yes. So look us up on our Facebook page, Irish mm -hmm. Breakdown fan group page. Uh, you can send them to me on on um, you know, on our website on those as well. But uh, that's a great question for that. I think the problem has been that they're so scheme driven that they don't they don't do a good enough job teaching guys how to play. Right. I think the other aspect of it is the expectations are so high for what a guy has to know to get on the field that it makes it harder for younger players to get on the field. Uh, Notre Dame doesn't do a good enough job of saying, here's our best players. Let's make sure our scheme is such that we are giving them an opportunity to go be successful. It's here's our scheme and those guys have to step up to and play to that level or we won't play them. It's the exact right. opposite of what they do on defense, which is we've talked about in other shows. And there's one. There's a reason why the defense has been good enough to play for a championship the last three years, but the offense hasn't. Even though, if you look at recruiting rankings, the offense blows the defense away yes. from a recruiting ranking standpoint. Right. Notre Dame had seven starters on defense this year that were composite three-star players. Think about that. Yep. And they were a top ten defense, in my opinion, this year. And th this, I, I threw this one up there while you were talking because you were kind of <laughs> answering it already. Um, about do we think we're going to see any of the uh, freshman wide receivers on the field this year? You know, knowing the, the the playing of freshman receivers at Notre Dame, I I think we should we could we should. Um, I don't know if there's a, enough proven veterans, and I think the other aspect of it is the the proven veterans that Notre Dame does have have injury histories. I hope that Brian Kelly. He, here's the thing: I hope that they do play. Me too. Uh, for two reasons: number one, good receivers are not five year players. They're just not. Right. You redshirted Miles Boykin. What did that do for you? He didn't come back for his fifth year. Right. You know, guys, and, and if a guy is wants to come back for his fifth year as a receiver, odds are he's probably not going to be good enough to bring him back unless you're in a situation where you have a numbers problem like a Javon McKinley. He's not going to come back and be a star, right? Um, so there's you know, Lorenzo Styles isn't a five-year player, Deion Colsey's not a five-year player, so play him. Uh, and, and it doesn't mean they're starters, but give them five, ten snaps a game early and give them that opportunity to get on the field. My hope is is that what we see from Notre Dame this offseason is that Brian Kelly. If he does what he says he is going to do, which is we look at the program every year, we analyze things, what are the things that are keeping us from getting that next level? If he genuinely does that with an open mind, he's going to say, we got to open things up a little bit more, which means simplifying. And that means getting Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts, 
uh, Jay Brunel, Lorenzo Styles, Deion Colsey, the opportunity to go out and find a role. And at least three of those guys has to play next year. Have to play. Absolutely have to play. I would imagine two of them will be from the last year's class. But, you know, give Lorenzo a chance to return punts. Sure. You know, give Dion a chance to go out there and be a number two or a rotation guy in the boundary, something like that. Give him a chance early against some of the weaker teams on your schedule. And there there are some. Um, those guys can't play against Toledo. You know what I mean? Um, and, and see what they can do. And yeah. then if they earn that right to play more, then they play more. But um, this is a class that that would normally get a chance to play more. But you also have to remember there's some really talented receivers already on the roster. You know, Kevin Austin, Braden Lindsey, Joe Wilkins, uh, Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts, Kendall Abdul Rahman, a guy we rarely talk about, but he's a very dynamic athlete, Avery Davis. Right. So, you know, the, the opportunity's got to be earned, but you, they, they need that opportunity to earn it. And if they do, then you play them. And if they don't, you know, you just keep, keep working on them until they get to that point. So, uh, Notre Dame, a lot of times it's called tight end U. So, we got to talk about the tight ends. And uh, they got a, a pretty decent two-man class uh, here this year. I don't know if it is the normal tight end class that, that, that Notre Dame brings in, but a lot of uh, upside, I think. What, what are your thoughts on this class as a whole and your grade? I think it's a good group. You know, I, I don't see a Michael Mayer in this group. Right. Um, but it's a good group. You know, you need a depth. You have two complementary players. You're going to hear me say that a lot when we're breaking down these classes, complementary players. And that's important. I don't want a lot of cookie cutters because cookie cutters make it harder to get them on the field together. You know, you've got a guy that's more of a hybrid guy that can do a lot of things, can line up. You've got a bigger guy that's more traditional. You have complementary players, and that's important. Sure. Um, two guys that I don't know if they're necessarily play right away guys. Like I said, there's no Michael Mayer in this group, but there's some guys that with some time and some work, I think have a chance to be really good. And I think this was a good year to take a chance on some guys like that. Because you do have Michael Mayer coming back. You do have Kevin Bauman coming back. You do have George Takis coming back. So you've got three veteran tight ends coming back. Uh, so you don't necessarily need a tight end to step in and, and, um, and, and play. So, I mean, that's that's really where you're at. So so let, let's break them down here. Kane Barong, uh, he's probably the leader in the clubhouse uh, in, this, in this tight end class. And you and I have talked about it on other podcasts. Or maybe it was on uh, the radio show. I can't remember. Uh, they all they all kind of drift together after a while, but um, the differences between the recruit rankings for Kane Barong is astonishing as you go through the different services. Um, talk about that, and then where you kind of fall with this with him. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a kid that had such a variety of yeah. of ranking. So and I'm going to pull it up here to just give you specifics. So when you look at Kane Barong, S, uh, ESPN ranks Kane Barong uh as the I think it's in the 60s. Let's see here. I got it right here. ESPN ranks him as the number 51 player in the entire country. SI99 ranks him as the number 61 overall player in the country. Rivals I think has him in the 40s as a as a kid from Georgia. They have him, I believe, in the 30s as a tight end. And so to see this diver diversity of opinion, 247 doesn't think very highly of Kane Barong either. Uh, I tend to be sort of in the middle with the two. I think Kane okay. Barong's a very good football player. I think he's definitely a top 200 kind of guy with some tools to be an even better player. Um, you know, so I, I think he's a guy that if you if you allow him to develop and if he can if he can 
fill out and continue improving his game, he's got a chance to be really good because I think he was held back in high school. He didn't play with his – Yeah. There wasn't a quarterback to get him the ball the way that you could. Um, but the thing, I, the thing I was surprised about him, Vince, is when he committed to Notre Dame, he was listed at 6'4", like 220 pounds. Well, when you think of a 6'4", 220-pound guy, what do you think of? Athletic, hybrid. Sure. He is fast and he is that. But the first thing that stands out about him is he is a punishing blocker. And in that regards, his game really reminds me a lot of Tommy Tremble. Although Kane has a little bit more traditional tight end in his pass catching game, but he is a physical, mean, aggressive blocker. And now he's in the two forties. Talk to a you know, talk to a source close to him recently. He's going to check in at Notre Dame. I think he said he was two forty six the day he left home. Uh, so he's put on some size. Yeah, uh, strong, tough kid, long arms, fast hands. Uh, and good vertical speed, you know, and he's been working out with Terrence Edwards, who you remember, a former Georgia wide receiver uh, who coaches at Pace High School. He is actually Jaden Thomas's position coach. But Terrence also works with a lot of kids from the Georgia area on teaching them how to play the game, you know, route running and those type of things. And Kane's been working with him and you can see the work paying off because he improved a lot as a route runner as a senior. But again, he just didn't have the kind of quarterback that could could take advantage of it. But I, I think there's also the thing that hurts him is his listed weight is still, you know, 220. And there's still a lot of people that are convinced that a tight end has in, in 2020 has to be like he was in 1985, which is 6'5, 250, right. uh, which is fine. I mean, there are tight ends that thrive that way, but there are also plenty of tight ends that are 6'3, 235 that are really good football players. So it's just about finding a guy that can block, can run routes, can catch the ball, and Kane Baron can do all those kind of things. Well, uh, talk to me about Mitchell Evans, who is uh, from Wadsworth High School out of Ohio. Uh, what's you talked about? Uh, you know, with the prototypical size and all this, he's six seven two forty. That that screams tackle to me. So yeah, but do you uh, know what position he played as a senior in high school? What was a quarterback? quarterback. Wasn't it? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that were assuming he would move to to tackle. I don't sure. think that's something that the the staff has been focused on. There's no reason. You bring in Joe Alt and Caleb Johnson if you plan on moving Mitchell Evans to tackle. I, I don't, there's no reason to do it. Plus, that's not what his athletics traits say. Um, you know, he's a quality athlete. He's a, he's a lot like George Takis. He, he's more yeah. George Takis than he is Joe Alt, right? And Joe Alt, we'll talk about in a little bit, but he's a high school tight end that Notre Dame is bringing in to play tackle, tackle, who's going right. to be a tackle. Uh, there's more George Takis to Mitchell Evans than there is than there is anything else. He's not a real dynamic athlete as far as explosiveness, but he's really smooth and fluid. Uh, he looks like he's 12. I mean, that's the thing about him. He, he's got a baby face. And I was reading something. I think it was Indy Insider had a, had a thing on him when he committed to Notre Dame. And he said he still has four baby teeth. I'm thinking, yeah, it checks. It checks out. Wow. Because he's just a, a young-looking kid. What that tells me is that this is a kid who, who hasn't hit that final growth spurt. Yeah. And so I'm thinking six, seven, two forty, and he still looks like he's 12. You know, what's he going to look like in a couple of years when he's in the Matt Baylor strength program? So I think yeah, that's no an intriguing kidding. thing. And then the question is, can he maintain that level of, you know, fluidity? He's, you know, again, he played quarterback. He ran around. He's a good athlete. Can he keep that if, when he hits that next growth spurt, or is he going to, you know, is what some happens with some kids as they get older and they hit that growth spurt, they get a little tighter, they're a little less flexible. Um, but if he can, if he can keep that, he could be one of the surprises of this class. I need to see him do it as a tight end. That's the only thing keeping me sure. from really putting him there is, yeah, I see a good athlete and all that kind of stuff, but 
I don't really see it when he plays tight end. I haven't seen it a whole lot. You know, he looked better as a quarterback than he did a tight end athletically. So that that's a thing. But there's, I mean, you can't teach six seven. You can't teach two forty. Facts. Uh, you know, and and that's that's what he brings to the table. And look, John McNulty's a guy that I think has been around football a long time. Guy's been in the NFL a long time. Yeah, he felt good enough about Mitchell Evans to take him, despite already having Kane Barong in the class. So clearly, he saw something. Uh, at that position, and so you know we're gonna, I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt and see what Mitchell can bring to the table. So let's let's talk about the big uglies, baby. Let's talk about the offensive line because uh, we know Notre Dame's track record for offensive line, and frankly, we're gonna see how good that recruiting uh, has been uh, this year with four brand new offensive line or four brand new starters, I should say, uh, going into the offensive line. But uh, this offensive line class, it's a four man class. Um, your thoughts on the class as a whole and and your grade for them. So I, I gave it a B plus, and this is the, the the most interesting position group to break down, and I think probably going to be the most controversial. There's two ways to look at this class, and we need to be honest about both of them. The first one is what the class is. What the class is is really good. It's a top 10 offensive line class in the country. When you sign two top 100 recruits, then you're 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 doing well. And what's interesting is, you know, the only top consensus top hundred recruit. Well, no, he technically wasn't. They didn't have a consensus top hundred recruit because SI ninety nine didn't have Rocco Spindler in the top hundred. But wow. as far as rivals and ESPN, the only I think the only guy that was a top hundred in all of them rivals two four seven and ESPN was Rocco. And had had SI ninety nine had him in there, he would have been the only consensus. But you know that that's pretty good. But I think the other way to look at it is what it should have been. And the fact of the matter is, is they had some poor planning early in the class. They went after some guys that they probably shouldn't have, stayed engaged in some of those players like Landon Tangwall longer than they should have. When, when we knew it, what he was making multiple trips to Michigan and Penn State, wouldn't come back to Notre Dame, that should have told you yeah. something a year before he committed somewhere else. Didn't prioritize some other guys like Wyatt Milam, uh, and it ended up, you know, missing on some of their top guys. So the one, two is as good as there is in the country, in my opinion. The The problem is three, four, and five aren't as good as some past Notre Dame classes were at three and four. You know, they're, uh, that's just, that's just the reality. It's a good class, but you look at like 2014, for example, you had Quentin Nelson, you had Alex Bars, both top hundred recruits. And then your third guy was Sam Mustafer, another top, you know, 250 kind of guy. Caleb Johnson isn't that kind of guy. Joe Walton, not that, not that kind of guy yet. And, and Pat Coogan is more of a, a, a good, solid depth player. So I, I think it's a very good class, but it had the potential to be even better. It should have been better, and that's why I didn't give it an A-. minus. So that's part of it. But let's sure. put that aside and focus on what this class is. And what this class is, you met your numbers needs, plus one, and you got some versatility. You got guys can can play better, and then – Beyond the top two guys, and we'll dive into specifics, you landed one player that, to me, could be the difference between this being a B-plus B plus class and an A-class, and, and and that would be Joe Alt, and we'll dive into to that when we get into him. But this is a strong offensive line class. It could have been better, should have been better, yes, but still a very good offensive line class that you're not going to find more than six or seven in the country that were better. Uh, there were some, but not a lot. And and that's what you need. And you complement it with a strong two-man group last year. So you overcome your short your numbers problem last year. You've overcome that to a degree by landing five this year. 
which is important. Now you just need another good year of numbers and high impact talent next year. And you're going to be back on track. Yeah. Well, I got to correct myself because I did say it was a four man class and it's obviously a five man class. Uh, I was thinking, cause we had talked earlier about how they needed four and I was in my head. So I apologize. Thanks for pointing it out, Brandon. Uh, that's my fault, but uh, it's obviously a five man class. And uh, so let's start breaking these guys down individually. Let's start with uh, the, We'll say local since it's Indiana, right? Uh, Avon, Indiana High School, uh, Blake Fisher. This is my number one player in the class. Uh, he was number two going into his senior year. It, it really isn't about Tyler Buckner taking a step back as much because the only reason Tyler Buckner took a step back was just because he didn't play. Right. Uh, so there's that uncertainty from an experience standpoint. But it's more about Blake just really having a great senior year. When he signed with Notre Dame, he was a big, strong, physical kid that I just thought he has to move to guard at some point. Like, eventually he's going to move to guard. I still would like to see him move to guard because I think he could be a, a top 15 NFL draft pick as a guard. He could be an All-American, you know, Quentin Nelson-esque type of player at guard. Uh, but now I think he could also be really good at tackle. And I didn't feel that coming into a senior year. Um what, what I liked about it is he's a big, strong kid that's just better than everybody else he goes against. Yet he still went in this past offseason working, and he look, he's a top 100 recruit. Uh, I believe Rivals already had him as a five-star early. He already was locked into Notre Dame. Uh, there was really no reason for him. He's an early enrollee. There was no reason for him to, to really feel like he had to work really hard to improve his game, and he did. Uh, and it may, it may sound – kind of trivial to say that but look there's a lot of kids that aren't that way yeah uh and and so he went out and really reshaped his body was in much better shape as a senior he's always going to be a big kid but he just he got rid of some of that baby fat he just looked well i mean you saw him vince he just looked a little bit more filled out up top where it was more okay yeah. that's some weight room work in there up top not not just you're a big you're a big boy by birth uh and his game improved Foot quickness was better. His bend, his knee bend was better. He he was more agile this year. His conditioning was better. Watching him later in games, he was more you know able to kind of just keep playing sure. at a high level, um, and, and he didn't lose any power at all. And he's just a he's a he's a guy when you watch SEC teams. This is the kind of kid you always see playing for SEC teams. Right? Where do they find these three hundred thirty pound guys that can move? You know, well right. Notre Dame found one at Avon, and they're gonna they're gonna have that guy. And they haven't had a guy with that combination of size and athleticism since Quentin Nelson. I'm not saying he's going to be a you know a generational player like Quentin Nelson. I'm talking skill set, like size, athleticism combination where he's always going to be big. You know, somebody said, well, should he lose 20 pounds? No, he shouldn't lose 20 pounds. He should keep staying at where he is. He could just turn some of it into a different type of weight. But this is a massive, massive young man who's surprisingly agile and an, an absolutely dominant player and was one of the top recruiters in the class. Not top recruits, what? top recruiters in the class. Right. He was very important to this class staying together. He was the person yeah. that kind of yeah, dictated was. who was in or out of the group chats and those kind of things. So he was one of the top recruiters in this class, and you always need guys like that. Well, let's head over the state line north uh, to, to Clarkston, Michigan, and let's talk about Rocco Spindler, sir. This was a big pickup for them. I mean, they they had to beat out Penn State and Michigan for him. Yep. Uh, LSU wanted him. Ohio State wanted him. This is a kid that everybody all over the country wanted. I like Rocco's game a lot. First of all, he's got a great name. I mean, yes, of you course. Know, he's a, a guard named Rocco. I mean, that's <laughs> fitting. You know, DNA is good. His dad, Mark Spindler, played in the NFL for a long time he's for the a Lions. Boy. Yeah. 
Um, he's got a wrestling background. I always love Lima wrestling backgrounds, and, and he's a surprisingly athletic player. He was a guard his whole career, moved to tackle as a senior, and looked good at tackle. I still yeah. think he's a guard, but you know, he showed if you need him to, he could go play tackle. Um, good athlete. I think he's got to work on his pad level, but again, it's not a, a it's not a flexibility thing. It's more of a uh, it's more of a technique thing, you know, just coming up high, uh, quick feet, moves well, change of direction, works well in space, works well at the second level. Uh, really talented player, Vince, that that is because of that wrestling background, the technique advancement. He's a 290 plus. He's a guy that you could say if these are two linemen that could could find themselves on the field early in their careers. Yeah. Um, not necessarily that they need to play, but they're just that good that they can beat guys out. And you don't see that very often um, along the offensive line. And then it's kind of a, a, a two-tiered class, right? You got the two that you just talked about, and then you got the other three. And that's not mm-hmm. saying that the other three are just, you know, you know, whatevers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they still come together to make a pretty darn good class. But right. uh, there's some room to grow for sure. And sure. Uh, let, let's start with Caleb Johnson. He's out of Florida, Ocala Trinity Catholic. Um I think he's your third ranked uh, offensive lineman in this class. Now, yeah, third ranked now, fourth ranked and upside. And okay. we'll, get, we'll get to that here in a second. But I, I like Caleb Johnson. He's a tough kid. You flipped him from Auburn, one of several kids that Notre Dame flipped this this cycle. Uh, strong kid, you know, six seven. I don't know if he's all a six seven. It wouldn't surprise me if he's more six five and a half, but again, long enough. Okay. Uh, has good length, but not the kind of length you'd think from a guy that's listed at six seven. So I think there might be some guard potential for him down the road but tough kid he's that phone booth guy you know Vince and and you hear this in offensive line play all the time like if you get him in tight quarters he's going to be really good over he's got to work on you know he's a guy that to me doesn't bend great because I don't think he has the great flexibility he's always going to be a bit tight in the hips yep yep Um, he's always going to play a little bit high which is why I think maybe guard down the road might be the place for him he's more of a right tackle guard kind of guy tough strong yeah, I've got one of those yeah. playing baseball for me. He's, he's the right guard on the football team. Right. Working on that flexibility. Right. Yeah, right. right. And, and that's who he is, but he's a tough kid. You know, he's got good vertical athleticism. Like there's two types of athleticism for the offensive line. There's the the tackle athleticism where you got to be able to work laterally in your change of direction. He's not great there, but then there's the other type of athleticism, which is just that off the line burst. And yeah. he's got that. He can really hammer you off the line. Got to work on his hand technique a little bit, but he's got, you can see it. He's got strong hands. Um, he's a talented kid. He needs time to develop. You know, his is more of a technique flexibility thing, but he's going to get it. He's going to get it. There's not going to be a need for him to come in right away. So, and if this is your third guy, he's, he's not a bad third guy to, yeah. to build around. I don't want to make it seem that way, but you know, th- there's this kind of third guy. And then there's 2017 where you had Aaron Banks, Robert Hainsey, and Josh Lug. <laughs> he's not that level yet and and so again it's a very good class but what's the standard we're holding holding notre dame to that's the thing but look if caleb johnson is a starter at right tackle or guard for you in three or four years you're going to be pretty good one of the 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 guys that really intrigues me in this class and uh is joe alt and he's never really played tackle before he was a tight end in high school he's from minnesota i believe notre dame beat out the University of Minnesota, uh, for for his services. Um, talk to me about Joe Alt because I, I think that he's a very intriguing guy in this class. 
he's the guy I was referring to earlier when I said he's the difference between this being a B plus and an A class. Gotcha. Because Joe Alt right now is is that kind of project guy. He was like 245 yes. pounds when he committed to Notre Dame. He's listed at 280 now. I don't know Whoa. if he's 280 or not. Whoa. Uh, he definitely got bigger as a senior. You'd see it on film, but just anyone can be 300 pounds. Uh, it's can you be 300 pounds and still be quick and agile and move? Uh, if he is 280, at, from what I saw on his senior film, that's a great sign because he didn't look any slower. His foot quickness didn't change. His flexibility right. didn't change. Uh, he still played tight end as a senior, and right. you know, and he definitely was thicker, but he still moved the same that he did as a 245 pound guy. That's huge. He's got another guy with good DNA. I think his dad played football at Iowa. I believe yep. his dad was also a tight end. Yep. Went to Iowa, became a tackle. Yeah, right? it was Sounds the same familiar. story. Yeah, right, right. And uh, you know, and so this is a kid that that. He is that typical low floor, high ceiling offensive lineman. This is the kind of kid that that goes to Iowa, goes to Minnesota. No one ever hears of him because he's a three star recruit. And then all of a sudden, you're like three years later, he's an all Big Ten player, right? And you're like, oh wow, where'd that guy come from? Well, Notre Dame went and found that guy. And kudos to the staff. And and here's where I give them credit: they missed on Wyatt Milam and some of those Rocco or uh, Nolan Rucci and some of those top guys that I, I think they should have got at least one of. So what do you do about it? Do you just you complain about it and say, oh, woe is us? Or you say, okay, right. let's go find somebody. Well, this is the kind of replacement you need when you miss on guys like that because he does have that sort of ceiling that if it all goes right, and again, a lot has to go right, but if it all goes right, you could be saying like, who ranked Joe Alt as a three-star? Like, right. what were you thinking, you know? And so those tools are there. I gave him a three-and-a-half-star grade, which is kind of a, for me, it's like that top three to 400 kind of guy. Uh, that's where I rank them, but I gave him a four and a half star upside, which is a top 50 player because it's one of those guys that right now he's not a top lineman, but he's got some tools that, that if you, if he pans out, he's going to go way past his current recruiting ranking. And he's a guy that you're looking at as, as a two, three year starter, that's going to be drafted in the day one or day two of the NFL. He has that kind of upside. The difference is Liam Eikenberg had that from day one. You just needed to refine the technique, but he was big, he was strong, he was athletic. This is a kid who may not ever get there because you don't know how he's going to handle another 20, 30 pounds. But if he can put on that 20, 30 pounds, continue getting stronger and maintain his athleticism and length, right. boy, he, he's got a chance. So low floor, high ceiling guy, the, the, if it clicks and they get this one right, now all of a sudden you have that third stud in this class. And now we're talking about this class in a completely different uh frame you know it's just it's going to be different and that's what i yep. really like about joe all and to, to round out the offensive line class uh notre dame went into chicago uh not surprising because they they are they're, they're usually fairly successful in the chicago mm -hmm. land area uh but they went to chicago marist and they got uh an interior guy named pat coogan tell me about mr coogan tough kid you know, he's he's listed anywhere between 285 to 300 pounds. He looks at least 285, 290. Uh, another guy, we talked this about a lot about this on the defensive class, Vince, but a guy that we just didn't get to see a chance to watch him progress because he didn't play his senior year because of, you know, the state canceling football. So right. we didn't get a chance to see if he could take that next step. Um, had a chance to see him in, at camp, at the lineman camp. You know, tough, gritty kid. He's a typical Midwestern you know, Minnesota, Illinois, Indiana kind of recruit, not a great athlete, you know, not the most nimble guy, but a tough competitive kid. You put him at guard and center and at the very worst, he's a, he's a good backup for you. 
Yeah. And at best, maybe as he's a, as a junior or senior, he can go out there and win a starting job at center or guard, you know, and, and, and guys like that are good to have, and he's going to be a team player. He's going to, it's going to be all about Notre Dame and, and, and do what he's asked to do. And if you say, Hey, be my backup center, he's going to say, thank you, coach. You know, I, I, I'll right. give you everything I got. You need guys like that, you know, cause if he was a top 50 recruit and he wasn't playing, you, those guys are more prone to leave. Um, so he's a guy that to me made a lot of sense. And if you can have a Pat Coogan as your fifth offensive lineman every year, you're going to have good depth. I mean, you're going to have real good depth because he's that kind of Midwestern tough, gritty kid. That's going to give you everything he's got. He's going to be coachable and, you know, have a chance to surprise and be a quality. He's a, he's a kind of like John Dirksen. He's not as athletic, athletic as Dirksen got, a, but he's got a little bit more pop than Dirksen had, but very similar type of career. If he's a three-year you know backup right guard that has to play when his number's called that's that's who he can be and, and you need some guys like that yeah there's no question and Notre Dame has used guys like that mm-hmm. uh in the past I mean there's no question and and his name is escaping me and it it's killing me but Trevor last Rulin? year Trevor Rulin. thank you yes that Illinois exactly, that's exactly who I'm talking about we had him on uh, the radio show uh the pregame show uh this year and uh but he's exactly that kid he's a guy he's a Notre Dame kid he was you know just a perennial backup but when his number was called he went in and he did his business and uh mm-hmm. he's a guy that you can count on and uh, if Coogan ends up being that kid uh, I think that everything will be just yeah. fine for you, him. you really no do need it. guys like that every team needs guys like that that just Absolutely. hey I'm, I'm part of the group I'm gonna give you everything I got I'm not gonna not gonna make waves I'm gonna bust my hump and if I get my chance I get my chance if not I love being with my brothers and I'm gonna be ready right. when my number's called and you you do need guys like that so I have no problem with them taking Pat Coogan I mean it makes a lot of sense and sure and you know he, you need like I said he's that he's that great depth guy and maybe someday you know maybe he gets a little bit quicker or the strength sure. program benefits him more than I think it will and and he ends up being a, a pretty good starter at guard or center. And the other thing, too, is I think he's going to – I think that playing him at center would make a lot of sense, and they need somebody that can play center. Because right now, if you move yeah. Jarrett Patterson, who the heck is your next center? So it'd be nice to have kind of another young center you can groom to be that depth guy. I think it would be very important. So I, I would mean, like to see them behind Zeke Carell. Yeah, because right. if you move Jarrett Patterson, who are you going to have? It's Zeke Carell and what? Right. You know, so it'd be nice to kind of establish some depth there. And I think Pat Coogan's a guy that you could move there and say, hey – we're going to teach you how to play this position and 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 go learn it. And that's a position where I could see him being effective and being a starting caliber player because you can always protect the center with guards. If he's yeah. a tough, smart kid, but yep. maybe not the quickest guy, there are things you can do schematically to protect him a little bit. Uh, and and Coogan has the tools that you would that you would want in a guy that maybe you can you're you'll accept having to protect that guy because he brings toughness, leadership, consistency, those kind of things to the table. Absolutely. So th- th- those are our thoughts on the uh, 2021 offensive uh, recruiting class for Notre Dame. If you're curious as to what we thought about the defensive side of the ball, go check out uh, our podcast that we just put up uh, this morning, as well as the videos over on our YouTube channel. We kind of cut it up uh, so that it was uh, each position group in, in a video, so you can peruse your way through that. And again, I saw some of the guys talking about it. Uh, in the chat, give us uh, give us a follow over our, our a subscription little tap right there uh, on our YouTube channel, and uh, you know we'll we'll keep bringing you some good information. I can promise you that we're we're really uh, diving into this thing head first, and we're really enjoying ourselves. And it's funny because uh, we got done today, and we were planning on recording this one, and and Brian was like, "Hey, 
let's go live. Well, it, it, I mean, we had we had to do the radio show. Sure. You know, we had to wait because we didn't want to do the show early and then not have to talk about Logan Diggs. And then I didn't exactly. want to talk about Logan Diggs. And then it was obvious that we got tipped off that he was going to pick Notre. You know, we don't really do that. Sure. So we're like, well, let's yeah. wait. And then we had to do the radio show. And by that time, it was like, well, we're going to have to put it out tomorrow. Well, <laughs> then it was like, well, let's just do it live because yeah, we baby. recorded. It takes an hour. And then it takes another 20 minutes to produce it and get it all set. And it'd be up at like, like 930. Yeah, I mean, at least. you know, so we'll do it live and then we can still do all those things. But the people that want it now can get it now. And Absolutely. the people that want are OK waiting can wait and they can listen to it later. But we really do appreciate all you guys. We have we are we thought it would take months to kind of get to where we've already got to with our YouTube channel. And that's yep. because of y'all. We appreciate it. Uh, we've really seen growth in our podcast, our site. We, we've talked about has has taken off uh, and, and the YouTube channels taken off too. So we really appreciate you guys being with us. And we're going to always try to bring you something that we don't think you can find in other places. And that's actual analysis. And so we're excited about that. And, and we love talking ball. So you guys keep listening. We're going to keep talking ball. If you have some suggestions on things you'd like to hear us talk about, yeah. podcast ideas, uh, ideas for a, a, a breakdown, anything like that, shoot us a, you can find me on Twitter at coach D one seven, eight, subscribe to our Irish breakdown, uh, fan group. Uh, you can ask questions on there. I'll be very interactive. You can ask questions on, uh, our message board as well on the website, which I'm hearing is supposed to be happening within the next month or so. We should have that back, uh, or, or leave us a comment in one of the YouTube things. So if you are interested in, in Hey, I wish you guys would talk about this or what about this topic? We're always open to ideas. Cause we're trying to do a show a day. And event some days we're like, um, what are we going to talk about today? <laughs> My wife is still amazed we can come yeah. up with something to talk about. So, every day, so. so give us some ideas. If there's things you guys want to hear about, we'd love to hear it. And uh, uh, subscribe, check us out, and we'll, we'll give you guys all the all the content you want and need. No doubt about that. So uh, for Brian Driscoll, he's the publisher. I'm Vince D'Addario. I'm the football analyst. And uh, we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.